All right, everybody. So thanks for tuning in again today. Uh, we are back with another episode of Peeling Back the Fourth Wall. And uh, actually, last night, me and Aurora were enjoying uh, watching Jurassic Park. And again, for those of you who don't know, Aurora is the two-year-old dachshund that is on the cover art of this podcast. Um, and throughout the movie, Aurora continuously looked at me um, and asked me various questions throughout the movie. Um, a lot of them I did not have answers to. Some of them I did. And when the movie was over, she decided to research some various things about the movie afterwards as well. And she decided that today we would discuss some of her questions, as many of you might have the same, and, you know, shed some light or give some fun facts and things about the movie, and maybe there's some we don't even have answers to still. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's dive right into it here with um, some Jurassic Park questions and, and fun facts about the movies. So, first is... When you get into Alan Grant and Ellie Sadler's trailer, and they're first meeting John Hammond, um, and he first starts talking about this proposition of, you know, going to the island and all that, uh, he says, I own an island. I've leased it from the government. So do you own the island, or do you lease the island? Okay? <laughs> Listen to that, and it will puzzle you, because there, there's a mistake one way or the other. Um, and I don't know why Alan and Ellie didn't call him out on it. Like, do you own it or do you lease it? Because that was confusing to me the first time I ever watched it. And I have no rational answer as to why he posed everything that way. Um, next is, uh, when, when the helicopter is coming down onto the landing pad and, um, watch that scene when the helicopter is first coming down onto the landing pad of the island the trucks at the bottom near the landing pad, the, the Jeeps that are there waiting for them, they're already parked and set, okay? But in the very next scene, it is shown that the Jeeps are backing up to park. They are already parked. They are already as far back as they could be in the scene before. So it's definitely something that they messed up on in filming. Um, I know a lot of people have noticed that as well. Um, but that's one, again, just to mention for those of you who haven't seen it. Um, the other thing is when they are going through the simulation of the tour, you know, and they learn about Mr. DNA and all that stuff. So when they start transitioning away from the Mr. DNA room and they're actually seeing the animals be bred and things like that, um, or not bred, but incubated, um, <laughs> the lawyer, Mr. Gennaro, um, actually looks at John and or leans over to John and says, are these characters auto-erotica? And that is absolutely the wrong term for that situation, for the film. Like, Ian Malcolm would have definitely caught on to him talking about auto-erotic. And he would have turned around and definitely made some smart comment about it. So, I mean, I could just see Ian turn around and be like, uh, is watching these people getting you excited? Like... I mean, Ian would have been totally on top of that. So that was that was a comment that was very funny to, to hear him say because he definitely used the wrong term. He meant animatronic, um, but he said autoerotic. And I think it was meant to be a mistake, but I think they should have capitalized on that a little bit more uh, with Ian Malcolm's humor. Um, okay, next. So we have, um, this is a question. Why, why would Dr. Harding, okay, so when they first come up to these sick triceratops, Dr. Harding is um, the person with the tri trike at the time. And um, Ellie comes up, and she's wanting to look at and stuff. He hands her a little flashlight, 
and just lets her start diagnosing the thing. He doesn't know her job. He doesn't know her name. He knows nothing about her, but he gives her a flashlight and totally wants to listen to everything she has to say in trying to diagnose what's wrong with this trike. I mean, is it just me, or why would someone who's a specialist in that field and that's their job question that? Because I don't, I don't understand why that that would be the case. So anyway, whatever that that puzzles me as to why he did that. Not a big deal, but it was puzzling nonetheless. Um, the next one, why why did Dennis Nedry have to steal the embryos that night? Okay, the storm was happening. And the tour was going to be ended short, okay? That was already said that they were going to end the tour short because of the storm and everything. So, you know, everybody was leaving and all this stuff. So why did he have to steal the embryos that night, okay? I, because he didn't know that a hurricane was going to hit that exact day. It might have moved past the island like it did another time because Muldoon talked about how another hurricane had done that before. So why is it that he had to do it that night because people will say oh the storm helped him get into the storage place because no one was there and everybody was leaving so the storm helped cover his tracks i get that but the storm could have dissipated just like the last one as we heard robert muldoon say so he couldn't bank on that storm happening that day so why is it that he had to risk it in such a bad storm like he i don't understand that he could have just waited and bid it bided his time a little bit more and got the embryos later. It's not like they gave him a deadline. I mean, I didn't hear Dotson give him a deadline or anything like that. So that's one that kind of puzzled me. Um, I think, you know, obviously with the circumstances that he would have had a much harder time in the storm, why not wait and do it another time? And maybe that's explained in the books or something like that. But the movies deviate quite a bit from the books, so I, I doubt it. Anyway, um, next is... <laughs> um, the goat leg okay so we all know the scene where the goat is being eaten by the t-rex okay and the first chance we are shown that goat again after it's first introduced is the goat leg being thrown onto the hood of the car or the the roof of the car that the the kids are in okay with with mr Gennaro. and so that's thrown on the car. There's a blood stain on the roof. Okay, remember that. There's a blood stain on the roof. The goat leg is flung onto the top of the car. My question is, how in the heck is that leg supposed to be flung onto the car? And people will say, oh, well, the T-Rex probably grabbed it like a toy and flung it back and forth. I hear you, but at the same time, that doesn't imply because that would mean that he had already chomped down on the goat and that piece got thrown off as he was swinging it but when you look at the very next shot he is just then putting the goat in his mouth and chopping down to swallow it so i don't think it's plausible that he would have flung it like that unless he had already chomped down and by then he would have already had swallowed it so i think they mixed up something there he probably should have been shown eating it a bit and then have it you know I don't know, flown, I, I don't know. They should have fixed that because to me, that was a question mark of me. How in the heck was it thrown? And it definitely wasn't thrown by his hand, which they shown because like his hand sh was on the the fence. But we all know T-Rexes have little arms. So, you know, they can't, can't really do that. So it wasn't thrown by his hands. It wasn't thrown by being flung by the way that he was eating that, that they showed. Um, so yeah, just question of mine. Don't understand it. Um, next, I did mention the blood 
spot, okay, that was on the roof, okay? There was a blood stain on the roof from the goat leg, okay? Miraculously, when the T-Rex actually started to attack the car, the goat leg was gone, as well as the blood that was on the roof window. Just completely gone. So, that was another mistake. There should have been some goat blood and stuff still on the roof of that car. There should have been the legs still on the roof of that car as well, because we never saw it getting taken away. You know, I didn't see Gennaro grab the goat leg and take it to the bathroom with him when he ran to the bathroom. So, I don't know what happened to that. Um, next is, uh, my question is, why was the kids acting so good in the car when they were being attacked by the T-Rex? And here's an interesting fact. Okay, this is a funny question. I didn't really ask this question when watching it, but I wanted to reveal this fact is that the animatronic, okay, for the T-Rex, because when the T-Rex was attacking from on top of the car and pushing down the roof glass, that animatronic was, it was an animatronic doing that, and it was actually doing it, okay? Now, there were issues with T-Rex because it was raining and water got into the compartments and things. It actually was malfunctioning, okay? And so, so some of the scenes that you saw when it was attacking from the roof of the car was the animatronic actually messing up and it actually went down too far during the scene and it actually injured the kids. They actually got some injuries from the glass actually being brought down to them. So they actually were in fear and, and terror when that was actually happening because it was a malfunction. Um, and then why didn't Tim and Alan, when the car fell down, why didn't they just climb to the other side of the tree? Okay, we all know the scene where the car is coming down and... Obviously, there's a lot of problems with <clears throat> the car going straight down the tree. Obviously, it would just fold out and not go straight down like that. But anyway, why is it that they didn't just climb to the other side of the tree? I don't know. doesn't make any sense to me. Okay. And now, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but the whole car fiasco blows my mind. Because why is the car so far from the wall? Okay. You see, when the car is thrown over, it's not thrown 20, 30 feet from the wall. Okay, it's maybe maybe four or five feet from the wall when it falls down. Okay, so it falls in the tree right beside the wall, and the car is facing the wrong direction to the wall, because Alan is down there with with Lex and getting water out of this pipe coming from the wall. He turns around, and the tree is per fairly far away, and the tr the car is facing the wrong direction toward that wall, and it's on the wrong side. Like, so so. People will say, okay, well, there's another wall behind the tree on the other side. Okay, so apparently there's this really, really narrow path down there that the T-Rex wouldn't be, even be able to fit within in its own paddock. I don't know why that would be the case, but if that is the case, the car is still on the wrong side of the tree because it landed on the side of the tree closest to the wall. So it's on the wrong side of the tree. Either way, doesn't make sense. Watch the scene. Watch the car. See where it is. See what it's doing, how it's facing. It was messed up. Uh, next is how did the, the Dilophosaurus escape? Okay, it was right beside the road on the way to the boat, um, on the way to the pier. So, how did it break free? Because all these things had fencing and stuff, and the T Rex only broke loose of his because he was so big and strong that he could break through all those strong cables. How did the Dilophosaurus get out of his? Did they just use chicken wire? That was electrocuted and it was strong enough to get out because I think they would have used something stronger. So I don't understand how a small dinosaur like a Dilophosaurus wouldn't have gotten out of its paddock and been right beside the road in that situation. Okay, so that needs to be explained to me. I don't understand that. 
Um, and then during that whole scene, you know, Nedry gets spit at by the Dilophosaurus. He gets up, goes back to the car, gets to the door, turns around to look at the dinosaur. Why would you do that? What? Why? What? Obviously, it was written in the script, and that's why he did it. Ha ha ha, we all know. But, in real life, that makes no sense. You would jump and get in the car, and then look out the window at the dinosaur. You're not going to sit and turn just so it can spit in your eyes, okay? But whatever. So he did that. That didn't make any sense to me that he did that. I didn't think that was realistic. Um, but anyway, once he was spat on, he bumped his head, he gets back up, he gets in the car, and the Dilophosaurus is in the car. How in the hell did the Dilophosaurus get in the car? Can someone please tell me that? How did the Dilophosaurus get in the car? Because the passenger door was shut. We saw it. Okay? The way was shut. Okay? A quote from Lord of the Rings. The way is shut, and the Dilophosaurus found a way to get through. Okay? And sit in the passenger seat. Like, that, that frustrates me so much. Because I, I don't understand how it was supposed to get in the car. It wasn't explained. It wasn't shown. I wish it was. You could have explained it. It would have been a little far-fetched. But whatever. That that was that was frustrating to me. Um, how, how did they get from the Tyrannosaurus paddock to the Brachiosaurus paddock without seeing the power was out on the fences? Okay. So later in the movie, we see that they didn't know the power was out for the fences. Okay, they had to throw a stick at it, test it, make sure that it was, you know, the power was out. However, they were in the Tyrannosaurus paddock when they first fell down the cliff, that fell down the wall. Okay, this is Lex, Tim, and and Alan. So they're walking through the jungle in the same paddock because it doesn't show them leaving that paddock. And the only way they got in was the T-Rex destroyed the fence because, as we saw with the fences, you can't just get through. Okay, You have to climb over and all this stuff. They would have known that the power was out anyway to go from the T-Rex paddock to the paddock that has the Brachiosauruses. And I really don't think that they'd put the T-Rex with the Brachiosauruses because then you're going to have them kill, You're going to have the T-Rex killing other animals. You're not going to have that. So it, that, that was missed, I think. Um... They would have had to have crossed a fence earlier than the scene where they found out the power was out because they went from the T-Rex paddock to the paddock that had the Brachiosaurus. So that, that was something that, that would have been there, okay? Then when Muldoon and uh, Sadler came to try and find them, they ran into Ian Malcolm, they found out he was injured, and then they found the other car, and they wanted to, you know, get out of there. But Muldoon... They saw tracks leading away from the car. Muldoon is a tracker. He's a hunter. He's a gamesman. You know, he's a, he's a game warden from Kenya. Like, he would be able to track them. And his only purpose of going out there was to get Hammond's grandkids. So why did he not try to track them and let Ellie go back? Okay, obviously there's an easy answer of, oh, well, Ellie couldn't drive stick. Okay, so if Ellie can't drive stick, then Muldoon had to take Ian back because they were wanting to get him back because he was injured already. I get that. I understand that. That's the way out of it, but it wasn't explained. That would have been the easy out. All they had to do was explain it. Okay. So, um, next one is, um, why did the exterior fence not get finished? Okay. And this is a, this is a mistake that a lot of people note. A lot of people have seen this. Um, when Alan, Tim and Lex go to the exterior fence 
and Alan tests it with a stick, and they found that the power's out and all this stuff. There is a scene of it, a shot, where you you actually see the end of the fence to the left, and you see that it's not finished. Okay? So the set that they built obviously wasn't a full-length fence all the way around the area, you know, because they never are when they film these things, but they actually showed that it wasn't finished. So if you look closely to the left, you will see that the fence wasn't finished. Um, so they could have just walked around the fence instead of walking, you know, trying to go over it. But, uh, yeah, that was definitely a mistake when they when they were filming. Uh, so I wanted to point that out for you guys to look and see next time that you, that you watched it. Um, the other thing is, and I don't hear a lot of people talk about this, the fence, the exterior fence, is facing the wrong direction because... The, the steel beams and things are on the side that Alan and Tim and Lex are. And the angle of the fence is going away from where they are. Okay? So when you're building fences like that to, like, keep animals in and stuff like that, you, you build the fence angled inward toward the paddock, toward the, you know, toward the exhibit. And the steel and things like that for it, things that keep it standing up that aren't electrified, that an animal could hit or, or push on or move that would break the fence, would be on the outside so they can't get to it without being electrified. That was definitely a mistake as well. The fence needed to face in the other way. The steel beams needed to be on the outside of where they were. Okay, So that's one that, that I don't hear a lot of people talk about. Um, but that I noticed that, and, and that was definitely something that irked me a bit when I was watching it, okay? So, next is, um, why did Ellie run backwards and jump? Like, okay, so let me preface this first because it'll get confusing. So, let me preface this. When they're going out to the maintenance shed to set the breakers, okay, her and Robert Muldoon are there, and he's like, oh, we're being hunted, and you need to run towards the shed. And he tells her, now, run. Okay? So she turns and she runs. Okay? There is the same exact shot used twice in this in this scene. Okay? So she starts running. She jumps over a tree branch. Okay? Like a palm tree looking tree. She jumps on it, over it. And then there's another shot of her continuously uh, continuing to run, like jumping in mud or something. And then she jumps over the exact same tree again. So if you're following it as continuous plot, she jumped over the tree, landed, went back under the tree, and then jumped over the same exact tree again. So she wasted a lot of time trying to get the maintenance shed, especially if she thought she's being attacked by raptors. So that's a funny one. If you guys watch that scene closely, you will see what I'm talking about, okay? Um, next is, again, with Ellie in the maintenance shed. She all of a sudden develops a limp. How does she get a limp, okay? She's coming up these stairs, and then all of a sudden, the next scene, she's limping, okay? This was actually supposed to be something where she fell over Samuel L. Jackson's leg and hurt herself, okay? However, they did not put that in the shot. They didn't film it, or they cut it out, or whatever, and it left us all confused and questioning why the heck is she limping, okay? Um, but that was supposed to be what it was. They didn't include it, and so it's a confusing shot. Um, the next thing is a lot of things revolving around th this whole set of scenes because it's chaotic and everything, but we are actually supposed to see Samuel L. Jackson die. This is a fact of it, a uh, fact of the movie, is we're supposed to see him die. 
We did not get to see him die because he was out on another film shoot doing something else. And um, before he could get back to film his scene, there was an actual hurricane hitting uh, during filming on the island they were filming uh, Jurassic Park on. And they did not want to spend the money to bring all the film crew and everything back just to film Samuel Jackson's scene. So they did not show him die. So he died off screen. We all were supposed to be able to see him die on screen. I think it would have been nice to see him die on screen. Um, but we didn't get to see that. So that's a reason that we didn't get to see that. Just a little fact there. Um, nothing really wrong with the film at that point. Um, however, when Ellie did, um, like, so Ellie's limping. Okay, we're going back to the light. She's limping. She's got this light attached to her with a cable. And she gets to the door. She opens it, leaves. There's no light attached to her anymore. There's no cable that's dragging a light behind her. We didn't get to see it detach. So did she unbuckle it from herself? Like, what happened to the light that was dragging behind her? Because she shut the door to the maintenance shed. Wouldn't it have gotten stuck behind her and she would have had to detach it when she got outside and it would have held her up and the door might not even have shut you know behind her if that that was there so they should have shown her detaching the light and that way it would have you know flowed better in the scene um you know to make it more continuous of a process there um but why would there, the the other question this is a funny one this is just a fact that you guys probably might not have noticed why were the raptors okay with someone rubbing its butt Okay, so this is in the kitchen scene when you are in the kitchen and you are waiting um, like Tim and Lex run into the kitchen and they are sitting in there hiding from the raptors and the raptor opens the door. Okay, so when the raptor opens the door and you see it, if you watch closely just to the left of the raptor, there's a space between the raptor and the door frame, you will see someone's hand come in and gently place its hand on the raptor, okay? The reason why that is there is because the animatronic was actually starting to fall over and someone needed to make sure it didn't. Then that was caught on tape and it was left in the final cut. So that's a little thing that you'll notice there if you pay close enough attention, okay? Then it's, um, why were all the desserts sitting out that the kids ate, okay? So then the kids are eating and this is before that raptor scene, okay? So they're sitting there eating when Alan brings them back to the the um, command center there. And so they're all sitting there eating. And it's like, where did all these desserts come from? Okay? Because they were out there overnight, out in the jungle. So these desserts have been sitting there overnight. There's a huge smorgasbord of it. Nobody would have cleaned that. I mean, yeah, I know everybody's panicking and running to the boats to get off the island because the storm was coming. But you don't think in their jobs they would have cleaned the desserts and who the heck were they making all the desserts for i just i i was confused i didn't understand why why that was there um and if someone had put them out there's someone else that was working there that wasn't shown so why didn't they get off the island um so that's a confusing one why all those desserts were out there um and then the other one this is something that's you know a big controversy for a lot of people is the bullets shown in the glass when they shot through the glass when the raptors were coming into the command control center um in the control room so when they shot through the glass it showed the bullet holes okay and they it said that they were yelling on the radio you know it's going to come through the glass okay so i get it they were attacking the glass however if you shoot those bullets into that glass and the glass doesn't break 
the bullets got through, but the glass didn't break. How in the heck were the raptors supposed to break through the glass? I'm pretty sure they're not going to have this same amount of force that that bullet's going to have when it's going straight through the glass, okay? So I, I think they would have had a really hard time getting through the glass, and I don't think that's a viable option for them to get into the control room. So I don't think they had anything to worry about, really, because the bullets didn't break the glass, so how would the raptors? So that's something that I wish they would have tried to explain somehow. And then the last one is... Um, and this is just a fun little tidbit. If you watch it and pause it at the right time, in the, one of the final scenes when the T-Rex comes into the building and grabs the raptor at the end, when it starts to latch out and um, you know starts to kill Alan Grant and, and everybody because they're all in the center of the room, um, the raptor jumps at him and a T-Rex lashes out and bites him. There is actually a spot where it was missed in editing and the CGI or something messed up where the raptor actually disappears for a frame. So there is an entire frame where the raptor is not there and it is invisible. Okay, so it is gone. So I don't. I want to know where the raptors learned how to turn invisible. Um, because there is one frame where it's absolutely gone and they didn't fix that. So interesting, you know, go back, pause it through that scene, uh, pause it at the right time, pause play, pause play, and you will see that it's gone in a specific frame. Um, so that's a really funny thing to uh, see in the movie as well but yeah that that brings me to it i know it's uh you know we're running a little little over what we normally do so i'll, I'll wrap things up here but what'd you guys think would you guys have uh were any of these questions that you guys asked are these things you're going to ask now when you're watching it let me know if you didn't notice some of these things and now you notice it when you watch it and you know there's some entertaining things that you get from it now um but yeah let me know what you think um of these again aurora had a lot of questions and wanted to make sure that Everybody else wasn't as confused as her when they watched Jurassic Park. So for me and Aurora, we will um, let you get back to your day. But, you know, feel free to like, share, subscribe. You know, our Facebook below, our emails below if you want to send us some comments or anything like that, questions. And, uh, yeah, we'll let you get back to your day. All right. Have a great one.